Welcome to Five to Thrive, five strategies to equip and empower educators, parents, and students to thrive. And here are your hosts, Dr. Rhoda and Professor Marty. Welcome back again. In today's episode, we are continuing the journey of discussion on teens. Always very, very fascinating. And one of the points that Dr. Rhoda is going to talk about today is identity development. And in our conversations beforehand, what really resonated with me is Dependent on your child's age, uh, they're really looking for direction from different people. And so I kind of thought that was a fascinating how that evolved as they, they got older. So thank you, Dr. Rhoda, once again for being here. My pleasure. So in the past two podcasts, we've talked about the teenage years and what they're going through emotionally during this developmental stage. We've also discussed their brain and what's happening with the development of their prefrontal cortex. Remember, this is a phase remember it's a phase in development that takes a young person from being dependent on their family for survival to being an independent adult. There is a lot that needs to occur for this to happen. And God has designed our bodies and our minds and the stages that we go through in developing. And there's nothing wrong with young people at this time. They are doing what they were designed to do. Okay, so just that we take peace in that. This is supposed to be a wonky time, okay? (laughs) So they're going to be extra emotional due to hormonal and chemical changes that they're going through. And their mind is not fully developed into that of an adult yet. Their prefrontal cortex isn't going to be fully developed till they're 25, 26, 27 or so, right? So we're the adults. We need to be the steady, secure, safe place for them to rest in, to find security in as they go through this tumultuous roller coaster season of their life. This will pass. It is a phase. It may pass like a kidney stone, but it will pass, right? So there's one other significant thing impacting them through the teen years, and that's their identity development. Eric Erickson is probably the leading expert on identity development theory. And he posits that as we go through life, we have these little crises. And the way crises work in development is that we reach a point in time where in order to proceed and develop to the next level, we need to go through an uncomfortable period. We need to be stretched beyond what we currently know or what we can currently do. And he has coined these a crises. Now, I'm an advocate that most good things do lie on the other side of discomfort. And that holds that holds true for our identity development as well. We need to pass through it, and it will get better. I, I would agree in that. That is so applicable to so many different things yeah. uh, in life, different subject areas, uh, etc. Boy, but when you are in that environment where you are uncomfortable, it certainly is not fun. Yes, absolutely. So they're living that all day, every day, right? So a newborn. Let's just think of how this works. An example with uh, in a younger age group. A newborn is completely dependent on caretakers for their survival. They cannot feed themselves or change themselves or comfort themselves. They are completely dependent on someone else. But as children grow and begin to learn how to do things for themselves, they're no longer completely tied to their caregiver. They learn that they can feed themselves. They can go to the bathroom by themselves. They can dress themselves. Eventually, they no longer need to be carried. They can walk for themselves. They go from being carried to walking with support, you know, you hold their hand, to being able to walk and eventually run and skip and jump all by themselves. This is a process that they're going through. During the teen years, kids are going through a similar journey or similar process from being dependent on another for their identity to growing into their own identity. Let's take a little deeper look at how this works. When you are four, five, six, seven years old, there are two groups of people in the world that you really want to be like, and you think, I want to be just like them. It's your mom and dad, and it's your teacher. 
okay? So during that time in life, you live to please mom, dad, teacher. And so if you're a teacher and you're teaching that grade level, it is so very, very important to be cognizant that you really are molding their viewpoint and how they perceive you as a teacher and how they perceive you know people who, who work. Yeah, they're perceiving themselves as they see you. And whatever you like, they like. And whatever you don't like, they don't like. You know, and so just mom and dad, teachers, remember more is caught than taught oftentimes. You know, there's plenty that's taught. Intent, We need to intentionally teach too. But so much of what young people are is what we model for them, what they see in us. So be who you be who you want your kids to be, you know? It's kind of like, I want to be as good as my dog thinks I am, right? That's saying. <laughs> so, but then it, it starts to change a little bit. Around fourth, fifth grade, they start to realize they're not just like their mom and dad. They're not just like their teacher. So mom's favorite color is blue, and I really kind of am liking green, you know? Um, dad's, dad really likes this, and I'm not so crazy about that. Um, they start to realize that, okay, I'm like my parents, I'm like my mom and dad, but I'm not just like them. And they start trying on new identities, new parts of themselves through their friends. This is why friends become so important during this stage. And it continues to just escalate in importance through middle school. By the time you are 11, 12, 13, 14, um, they used to think that it was part of like the, the ego stage, but they're kind of renaming that the Wego stage because if my friends aren't doing it, I'm not doing it. <laughs> it's all about friends during that time period. So they're, they're trying on their identity through their friends. So if the person they really like likes basketball, I really like basketball. And we're going to play basketball every recess. That, that is so, so true. I mean, yeah. I, I've witnessed that. And, yeah. and, and you know your, your own son or daughter, and you're like, oh, this is really kind of interesting. Yeah, this yeah. was not your choice, but... It's your friend's choice, and you are willing to go yeah. all in, yeah. uh, even though I'm not quite sure how well-suited you are for that. And yeah. then you just support them, right? Yep, yep. So that's that's exactly it. So then they're going through that phase where they're trying everything their friends are doing. So if their friend really likes you know, um, a certain singer, then they're really going to like that singer. If they really like a certain whatever, fill in the blank. So they're getting very much of their identity from their friends and who they hang around with. Remember, they're growing towards independence, so they're stepping away from mom and dad a little bit. And then they get to like around ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, and they start to realize, man, I'm not just like my friends either. You know, I always really liked basketball and I got cut from like the freshman basketball team. Obviously that can't be my identity anymore. What's my identity now? And they really start to go through a crisis. They go through a very uncomfortable time. Like, what am I supposed to do? Who are my friends? Who do I hang out with? What am I good at? And so one of the number one things we can do for adolescents during this time in life is to help them figure out their gifts. How has God gifted them? What comes naturally to them that doesn't necessarily come natural to other people around them? When we can expose kids to lots of different things, try photography, try art, try music, try acting, try you know, sports, try all these different things, see what you really enjoy, what you're good at, but also be pointing out the things. Uh, you might have a kid that's never going to be a lead in a musical. They're never going to be a great singer. They're never going to be a great athlete, but they're super, super high on empathy. Wow. Who's going to point that out to them and let them know that that's a tremendous life skill, that they can just walk with other people, that they're easy to talk to. They're good listeners. 
that's a skill that's going to serve them so well. But unless we point it out to them, they don't think they've got any skills. See, that that is so true because we are so focused in academics on yeah, what's your content and area, what's your skill set. Mm-hmm. And, and the emotional side is so the well-being of, yeah. of people is so very, very important. That's an excellent, excellent point. Can we point out those character traits? You know what? You really believe in equity and fairness. That's a beautiful thing. How do you use that to serve people? You really believe in you know, or, or different just like characteristics and traits that kids, you are always finding the good in things. What a beautiful gift to have. And, you know, how can you use that to, you know, help, help kids see that you are always kind and compassionate. You're always holding the door open. You're always thinking of other people. You're always going out of your way to, to see how you can make somebody else's day better. Thanks for doing that. Point those types of things out to kids, help them see that because that becomes a part of their identity. But the biggest thing to our identity, the thing that we want to start when they're little, little kids, when they're young children, think about this. The day you take your final breath, okay, whenever God determines that is, you are going to take one last breath of air, and then you're not going to breathe again in this life. At that moment, what part of your identity is important? The only part of your identity that is going to live on after you're done breathing is your identity in Jesus. That you are a redeemed child of God purchased by the blood of Jesus. That's what counts. That's what you've been through eternity. That's what you'll continue to be, right? And so how do we help our young people see that I'm a redeemed child of God purchased by the blood of Jesus? That makes me enough. It doesn't matter what I'm good at. It doesn't matter where I live. It doesn't matter what my family situation is. On the last day, that's what's super important. That's the core foundation of who I am. And when I can be secure in that, I can love myself because God loves me and I can love other people and I don't have to feel insecure or where do I fit in or where do I belong or what's my significance. And and as I'm reflecting on that for the core foundation, that is something that uh, I think we all can strive to put in the present in front of our child, in front of our students on a regular basis. And oftentimes so many other things are vying for attention, but really let's keep the main thing the main thing, right? And so very, very important because that impacts their their entire identity. And oftentimes we're looking at these peripheral Secondary Little things, yeah. right, right, yeah. And, and so, so very, very yeah. important. Absolutely, and when they're having a bad day, when they feel like they're not good at anything, when they feel like they don't have any friends, I know it can seem trite, but it's just important that we tell them over and over again, you are a redeemed child of God. Jesus loved you enough. He bought you. He loves you. You are worthy. You are, you're a saint in his eyes. You are perfect, and you know what? King David in Psalm 139 says, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. God made you the way he made you. One of my favorite passages in scripture, I've shared this before, Ephesians 2.10. So the first part of Ephesians 2 is talking about the first nine verses. It's all how we're saved by grace through faith. It's nothing we do. It's a complete and total gift. And then verse 10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good things, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Those kids... The young person in your life is God's workmanship. The original word in there is poema. It's where we get our word poetry. You're God's poetry. Your kids are God's poetry, uniquely crafted and designed to do things that he's prepared in advance for us to do. God has given you gifts. Help that young person see how they have been gifted, what comes naturally to them, and then how can they use those gifts in service to the people around them and in doing that glorifying God. 
It's, that's the sweet spot of living when we can figure that out. And how do we help our young people who are feeling like they're just not good enough, um, you know, they, they wish they had somebody else's gifts, how do we help them see their gifts and how they can use their gifts? And you'll sometimes get the kid who says, but my gifts aren't fun. Other people got fun <laughs> gifts. You know, when you're using your gifts in glory to God, he will make it fun. That becomes the air we breathe. That's just the culture. That's our conversations in our homes. That's our discussions with our students. Once a child knows this, understands this, believes this, we can help them see who God has designed them to be, and they're going to have a sense of strong identity, knowing who they are in Jesus. And he's given me these gifts, and I also get to have fun playing guitar or whatever it is, fill in the blank. So again, what gifts and talents has he given them that uh, that they can then use? And then again, I, we just have to make a point too, just a disclaimer here, and none of this is to earn anything. You know, that first part of Ephesians 2, it's all a complete and free gift. I love Martin Luther's line. God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. You know, so God wants to work with you to serve the people around you. Wow, what a tremendous thing. And what a powerful comment in today's society. Absolutely. Our goal in Five to Thrive is to equip and support educators and parents as they help each child develop to his or her full God-given potential. So here are five essential takeaways from today's episode. Number one, awareness. We've talked a lot about different things that adolescents are going through. Uh, awareness of adolescents seeking and needing identity. Very, very important for a parent and a a teacher to be aware of. Uh, Number two, uh, let's think about uh, the age levels, the grade levels, and keep in mind that preteens are very much looking toward their friends for advice. Number three, uh, as students age, this moves from the preteens to individuals looking at themselves and reflecting on their gifts and abilities. Uh, Number four, really one of our primary jobs is to help our adolescents see their gifts. Uh, Dr. Rhoda had a great example of empathy, uh, looking at what each child is strong in and every single student has multiple gifts. And number five, really so important, help them understand what the most important ingredient of self-identity is. And that is having the knowledge uh, that Jesus has loved them, they're being saved, and they know where they're headed. Thanks for taking the time to learn with us. Let us know how you're doing. If you have questions, challenges, or successes you want to share, please let us know through the comment section of our website. May your week be blessed.